Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of Vet School Unleashed, where we dissect topics and issues relating to life in veterinary school. I'm your host, Seth Williams, and I'm a veterinary student at the University of Missouri College of Veterinary Medicine. Today's podcast is sponsored by Fear Free. Fear Free provides online and in-person education to veterinary professionals, the pet professional community, and pet owners. Fear Free has become one of the single most transformative initiatives in the history of companion animal medicine. It provides an unparalleled education and emotional well-being, enrichment, and the reduction of fear, anxiety, and stress. I am super excited to welcome on a very special guest today who is a friend of mine from Mizzou who completed her didactic training at St. George's University. I've been wanting to do an episode for a long time now about what vet school is like in the Caribbean. So I'm super excited to pick Chrissy's brain today and ask her about her experience in Granada and hopefully give some insight and advice for any prospective students looking at veterinary schools, not only in the U.S., but also internationally. Welcome to the podcast, Christy. How's it going? Great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on. It's it's really great to have you here. And um, you and I have gotten to know each other a bit here in Mizzou, but I want to talk to you today about your experience going to school in Granada. Sure. Yeah. So before we get into the topic for today, just want to ask about your background. What's your story? Where are you from? Um, and what do you want to do when you are out of school? Sure. Um, so I am originally from Texas. And I started going to undergrad at A&M Corpus Christi. And um, at that point, wasn't really sure if I wanted to even go to vet school at all. So um, I was kind of just doing a bachelor's in biology and kind of just meandering my way through it. Um, And I was working at a vet clinic at the time um, as a technician on the job trained. And um, I decided to move to Colorado to go to tech school. Mm-hmm. So I went to Bell Ray in Denver, Colorado, okay. and um, got my CBT done. And still wasn't really sure if I wanted to do vet school at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, really had a lot of thoughts on my own about whether I could do it and whether I could handle it. So um, lived in Colorado for a little while before I decided... I really do want to go to vet school and mm-hmm. I need I need to do more. So started going from there and looking at um, different vet schools. So um, great. Yeah. Cool. So so you landed at Ross at St. George's. So, excuse me, St. George's. Mm-hmm. So how did that come about? Yeah. So I was looking at a bunch of different um, vet schools and I was um doing tours in a couple of different ones. Um, I was in California for a little while, so I went um, to see some of the California schools, and uh, things were okay. I think I was very overwhelmed, and I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what questions to ask. I I wasn't really sure what what was a good school versus a not so great program. You know, I didn't really know what to ask. Um, And I was talking with a couple of different friends of mine that had gone to um, Colorado State and some that had gone to Texas A&M. And so kind of getting some insights into the different programs and what to ask for, what to look for. Um, And it so happened that the clinic that I was working for at the time had a intern, a fourth year intern that went to St. George's. And um, he told me about the school and um, how he really liked the program. Mm -hmm. And it seemed to be a really good fit for my personality. And 
I kind of liked the aspect of it's an adventure, it's right. in a different country, you know, that kind of thing. So I started looking into it um, more and kind of segued also into looking at Ross, which mm-hmm. is um, in St. Lucia. Right. And um, kind of trying to see the differences between the two and and eventually stuck with St. George's. Great. Uh, and it seems like you were happy with your decision. Yes, very happy. Yes. Great. So what do you want to do after you graduate? Um, I want to do laboratory animal medicine. Awesome. So I um, want to work with mostly rodents, mice and rats, and really want to get into that, hopefully without doing the match if I can. Yeah. So what's I know you're we're graduating pretty darn soon, which is exciting. Yeah. What's what's next for you? Um, so I will wait to do the match. Um, if I have to, I'll do it um, mm-hmm. next cycle. Um, but I'm going to try to find a lab that um, needs a clinical veterinarian okay. and um, hopefully just go into it as a on-the-job training kind of a situation. Right. Cool. Um, and hopefully avoid the match altogether. Right. Now, uh, forgive my ignorance, are most <laughs> lab animal vets working at academic institutions or are there a lot of private sector uh, opportunities out there? It's both. Um, I think that probably going into an academic setting and, and into a university is probably the easier of the two, mm-hmm. um, I would imagine, just because there's more money involved with that research. So they tend to hire more veterinarians and they right. have more money for staffing. Um, and usually those are the programs associated with the residencies. So um, you tend to be able to get into the residency and get into an academic setting a lot right. easier. But there's plenty of places, um, pharmaceutical companies, you know, that kind of a situation that you can go into um a lot of the uh, different companies that actually produce some of these animals that are used for research have their own clinical veterinarians as well. So some of those breeding programs and things like that um, have a lot of doctors involved. Great. Terrific. So I want to talk about what it was like going school down at St. George's and and kind of the differences and the similarities between school there versus school, let's say, in one of the stateside schools. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's start off with how the curriculum is set up down at St. George's specifically. So Mm -hmm. you spent some time here at Mizzou and we'll get into how you landed here at Mizzou Mm -hmm. um, in a little bit, but just give us a breakdown of how it's set up at St. George's in terms of the years. Cause I know you guys have work on semesters and Mm -hmm. um, you guys also start at different times of the year, which is kind of wild when you compare it to, (laughs) to, uh, to schools in, in the States. So just kind of give us a breakdown. Yeah, so they run on terms, so a more traditional semester kind of an approach. Mm -hmm. Um, We're down there for three years out of our four total, and um, each semester is broken down into different, you know, different courses, Mm -hmm. just like any other um, school, and we take you know, midterm exams and final exams, just like anywhere else, Um, and. All of our on hands-on training is done down there for the most part in mm-hmm. those beginning three years. Okay. So um, it's a little bit difficult in that we don't have as big of a program down there. So um, in comparison, some of the U.S. schools have, you know, these big dairy farms and, um, you know, these big... Um, horse farms and that kind of stuff that we that they have access to mm-hmm. for training purposes and um, that sort of thing. Whereas our program's a lot smaller down there due to size right. and logistics of being able to get these animals down there. So we only have 
maybe five horses and probably about the same number of cows Mm -hmm. to work on. So it's a little bit different. Um, Because of that, we have to space out our labs a lot more. So we get put into smaller groups for our labs um, so that the animals get a break in between and that sort of thing. Um, So the logistics of it for the classes is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, We have our anatomy Um, courses just like you guys do and um, we had our cadavers just like that Mm -hmm. but we had to get them shipped into us so that was interesting Um, it didn't happen to my class but there was definitely a couple of classes that didn't get their animals on time and so they were having to wait a little while before they can start dissections and stuff like that so um, more than anything it's the logistics of being on an island and everything having to get shipped in instead of being made there or produced there right Um, How many people are in the class? So my starting class was a little bit over 100 students. Mm -hmm. And we are finishing with, um, I think, about 85 or 86. So, um, you know, every... Every school loses some students to um, just failing out or potentially, like, not really wanting to do... Change their mind. Yeah, change their mind, something like that. So we've lost a few along the way, but... Mm -hmm. Overall, most of us made it through, cool. so that was good. Yep. So how does it work with, because I believe you guys start at different times of the year, right? Yeah. How does so that work? I started in January. Okay. Um, so there's a spring start and a fall start. So state schools have only the fall starting right. semester. And so St. George's is always starting um, a new class. So every time a new semester starts, there's a new starting gotcha. class. Um it makes it a little bit easier to have kind of more students moving through constantly mm-hmm. since our classes um, can tend to get a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier to just to keep mm-hmm. keep the movement going through. Um, made things a little bit dicey, though, being done and being done in a January start. Right. So it was a little bit weird um, being a little bit further along than some of the the U.S. students right. um, was a little bit weird, but I mean it worked out okay. Right. I would imagine too that kind of thinking now towards where we are right now in our vet school lives is with the job search. Mm-hmm. Is that if you were, I'm thinking hypothetically, finishing in January, you kind of have a head start on getting any prime jobs that are open up before now, before yeah. the May students are are able to get out. Right, right, yeah, and um, we should be having our. Um, paperwork done fairly soon and so yeah there's a lot of my classmates that already have jobs lined up and people are really happy that there are students that are finishing earlier in the year so they can kind of fill that gap and not have that influx of wow everybody's finishing all at the same time and they're all looking for jobs at the same time and it becomes saturated so very cool yeah so in terms of the the student body I, i would imagine that one of the the really cool benefits or, or pros of of going to school like St. George's is the diversity in the class. Yeah. Not only um, just background of the diversities, but also where people are from and what they've been doing. So yeah. what was that like? It was really cool. Um, I do have to say I've got um, classmates of mine that are from all over the United States and also from the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Um, we have several students that are from Grenada and um, neighboring islands. Um, so that was really, really cool. Um, lots of Puerto Ricans, mm-hmm. um, Canadians, lots of Canadians. Wow. Cool. So it's been really, really fun to have um, classmates from all over and um, really get to know people from all over the country and instead of just kind of 
from your state or right. at least pretty close by there. So it made for a really diverse group. Um, I think St. George's is really great about getting a very diverse group and mm-hmm. they really do want the classes to be from all walks of life and really from all over the place. And that was something early on in the admissions process that they, they really prided themselves on is right. really having a little bit of everything. And they like to say that they take a chance on kind of different um, students. So especially like for my situation that I was a little bit older Mm -hmm. and um, wasn't really the traditional student, they really love to have a lot of students kind of from that same narrative. So they'll have students that are, this is their second career Mm -hmm. or with children and kind of all these different situations that makes you not the traditional student. And they think that that gives you a great advantage and Mm -hmm. makes you a better doctor. So when other people see it as a downfall, they scoop you up. They love it. Right. That's great. Yeah. To be honest, one of my... The hardest things to, to grasp going to school at Mizzou and then from I've heard of similar things at other schools in the States is just the lack of diversity. Yeah. So that was, that's really cool that, that St. George's does that. Um, yeah. It really has the opportunity to do that um, because I just feel like we could really improve a lot with our, our diversity in, 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 in the classes generally amongst most of the schools in the, in the U S um, let alone the whole veterinary profession. I think it's, right. it's pretty, um, monotonous when you look at background and specifically looking at the United States. Right. Yeah. They, they definitely are very great about helping, even if you have, you know, financial struggles and that sort of thing. Um, they really want everybody to have a chance to show what you can do. And if, if you want it bad enough, they're going to give you all the tools to be able to do that. So I really was very thankful for that. Cool. So you guys do not have a teaching hospital down there, correct? We do it's much different than what okay. you would think of as a traditional teaching hospital it looks like more of your private hospital okay. kind of a situation so we do have a small animal teaching hospital um it has four exam rooms mm-hmm. um and maybe i think we only have two surgery suites okay um so it's a very different quote unquote teaching hospital right. um but Locals are able to bring their pets there, and it is staffed by um, clinicians that um, some of them are our professors, some of them just work at the teaching Hmm. hospital, um, and then we are able to rotate through. So that is what our last um, semester down there is, is it's more of a rotating kind of a situation. Um, So we rotate through the teaching hospital, we rotate through um, large animal um, ambulatory service, and um, surgery service as well as the gspca down there which mm-hmm. is the um local shelter okay great so you guys do get quite a bit of um a really good hands-on experience we do um i think they do the best with what they have right. and it has been a labor of love for a lot of the professors down there and they've made it as great as it can be and i really felt prepared i mm-hmm. i didn't feel like i was lacking in any of the um hands-on things we got to see a lot of stuff down there yep. um and because the population is of very low income that mm-hmm. sort of thing they're very willing to let us do a lot and right. um kind of just try for the sake of learning right yeah i was gonna ask what's it like working with the locals down there 
It's difficult. It's a different culture. Um, it's very different than what you would see in the United States. So they don't think of a lot of them, not everybody, but a lot of them don't see the animals as family. Right. They see them as their guard dog or, you know, some of their food animals. They're not as attached to them. Right. So they will do what they can for certain things, but there's a lot of them that don't believe in heartworm prevention mm-hmm. and they don't want to spend money on flea and tick prevention, right. that sort of thing. So it's difficult. It's changing. It's gotten right. a lot better since the vet school has mm-hmm. been there. And I think that education has come a long way. Cool. That's great. So looking at the pros and cons of the the academic portion of, of, of St. George's, mm-hmm. can you give us just a couple of things that were really great about the 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 teaching down there mm-hmm. and some things that you thought were not so great. Oh sure. So some pros we have professors from all over the world. So um, that's been really nice to see the differences and how things go. So one of our um, anesthesia professors is from Europe. So seeing her perspective Mm -hmm. on how anesthesia runs and her perspective on pain management Mm -hmm. is very different. Right. And so that gave me a really great um, perspective on things and and really forced me and challenged me to think differently about how we practice in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was definitely a really big pro. We also have our professors are very hands-on it's a very small island yep so everybody knows everybody and everybody sees everybody out and about doing things so you'll see your professors at the grocery store Mm -hmm. you'll see them you know out at a restaurant or something like that um, or at a bar even and they are very welcoming about that they love it and so Um, There's been plenty of times when I will see my professor on the beach or something and we, you know, go and and have fun and stuff. So that aspect of it was really unique and really different. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it made for a better, um, more collaborative kind of a learning situation because we knew each other outside of the classroom as well. And they were always worried about, you know, how's your life going? What's happening with you? Do you, you know, are you having car trouble? Do you need a ride? Right. That sort of stuff, which I was not anticipating at all. And Mm -hmm. that was something that really was above and beyond anything that I could have imagined coming from my professors. Cool. Um, Downsides. I think one of the biggest problems down there is not having a traditional teaching hospital, Mm -hmm. not having the patient load that you guys even have here at Mizzou. Um, And so not having that opportunity um, early on was a little bit difficult. Um, For me, it wasn't as bad because I'm a CVT and I already had some hands-on training, but I could see how some of the other students that didn't have as much training going into vet school, that that could have been detrimental. Sure. Um, I think the logistics of the island sometimes really interfered with learning. Mm -hmm. So living in a third world country can be really difficult Mm -hmm. and things happen. Island, island time is a real thing. And it, and it definitely, the island moves at its own pace. Right. And so when you, when you're thinking like, oh, it's finals week and I have to get to campus and I have to do this, that, and the other, and you're moving, Mm -hmm. everything else is still on island time. And so that was really frustrating for me. Um, certain timeframes when you needed to have things done really quickly and you just couldn't make that happen. Right. Um, having, you know, the internet go out sometimes or having electricity go out when it was the most inconvenient time. And you can't just, you know, call up your, you know, 
company your internet company and say send technician down it's like you know joe schmo down the street that's going to come and fix it for you so those were very very big challenges Mm -hmm. and it took a lot of perseverance and a lot of time to get used to that yeah gotcha all right after the break i want to change topics a bit and talk about your experience living down in granada but first let's take a quick break and give a shout out to today's sponsor fear free with the knowledge of Fear Free, you can be financially successful and emotionally wealthy by joining the literally tens of thousands of your veterinary colleagues who have become Fear Free certified. Fear Free is an online education program that is free, yes, free to all veterinary students. And talk about adding value to you. It's known that past graduates have reported job offers that are two to $5,000 higher than their classmates by being Fear Free certified. So if you do the math, did you know that a $2,000 higher starting salary reduces your lifetime debt by over $50,000? Yes. So this amazing online education program, it's sweeping veterinary medicine, is totally free to you. And it will allow you to do well by doing good and be financially successful and emotionally wealthy in the greatest profession on earth. So don't delay. Go to fearfreepets.com now and light the booster rockets on your career. Okay, Christy, let's switch gears for a sec and talk about what life is like down there. Because I know that was one of the biggest adventures for you, yeah. just from you and I talking about it. Um, so what was it like living down there from from where you lived mm-hmm. and the the community that you lived in? Um, just what it was like to, to live in that country? Yeah, it was... Um nothing like I thought it was going to be. Um, I had talked to some people and gotten an idea of kind of what I was getting myself into, but I feel like unless you're there, you really don't right. have a concept of how mm-hmm. it's going to be. Um, it's a third world country, so there's lots of struggles um, on the day to day. I rented um, a house with mm-hmm. some roommates Um there are no addresses down in okay. Grenada. <laughs> so um, that was really difficult when I first got to the island, um, trying to figure out where I was supposed to go and where my house was. Yep. Um, I had to call my landlord from a local's phone to get directions wow. for the taxi driver mm-hmm. when I first got there. So day one, I was already thinking, oh my gosh, what did I do? Yep. <laughs> you know, this is scary. I don't know. I had my father with me, so that was really Good. helpful. Um, I flew down there with uh, my dog. So that was really a process. Because that's one of the biggest questions for anyone Mm -hmm. that goes, how does that work? Like with bringing pets there and taking them back? Yeah. I mean, it actually wasn't too bad. There there was um, paperwork. You have Mm. to um, contact their Ministry of Agriculture and get a permit to import the animals. Mm. Um, But past that, you know, the just the normal stuff, health right. certificate and um, vaccinations and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And getting them on the plane was fairly, fairly easy. Yep. Um, they have to be well behaved and, you right. know, good through the right. whole process. Right. Um, but that was an extra added layer of, oh, my gosh, what are we doing? How right. am I going to get my dog there? You know, that sort of thing. Um, but it was really fun. Um, the locals are very, very welcoming. They mm. love having students there. Great. Um, we bring a lot to the island as far as um, 
economic drive mm-hmm. and um, they get a lot of extra income from the students just sure. just inherently. Right. Um, so us being there, they really do like mm-hmm. it. They love to show their island off. Yep. So they're all about taking students out and showing them, you know, the waterfalls and right. um, the beaches and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So there was definitely a lot of um, let's go explore the island and go and kind of see things. So um, my friends and I did a lot of exploring while we were on the island. Um, going and checking out different beaches, mm-hmm. going and doing fish fry on the beach. Nice. Um, there's tons of waterfalls. Mm-hmm. Um, the rainforests are beautiful. So if you're into especially lots of outdoorsy stuff, right. and, you know, scuba diving mm-hmm. and all that kind of surfing, um, there's a lot of that to do on the island. Um, so it sounds like you had, you had enough time outside of school to go enjoy yourself and explore. Yeah, we did. Um, we definitely made time for it. Mm-hmm. Um I think I had a little bit harder time. Some people had more more time than others. Um, right. I feel like I didn't have quite as much time, but I also stayed a little bit past the end of um, okay. classes to explore the island a little mm-hmm. bit. So after finals was over, I would stay and kind of check things out a little bit. Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. And what were, what was your living situation like? Like in terms of just what, what, was the, what were the houses like and what was it like going to the grocery store, just getting around town? Yeah. Um, all of the electrical outlets are the European outlets, Convenient. which I didn't think about until I got there. <laughs> so trying to find um, converters for all my American plugs was something I didn't even think right. about. Um, I had to get an island phone when I first got to the island because mm-hmm. mine obviously didn't work down there. Right. Um, so getting this old Nokia brick of a right. phone, <laughs> you know, that would work on the island. Yeah, right. um, that was really great. Um, the grocery store is very limited. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're very precious about a specific kind of product and a specific brand, you're going to be disappointed. Yep. Um, so you have to just kind of let it go mm-hmm. and just kind of go with the flow and yep. realize that some days you're going to go to the grocery store and there's not going to be eggs right. or milk or, you know, essential kind of stuff. And if if it doesn't get there, it doesn't get there. And right. you have to wait for the next shipment kind of thing. Right. Um, There was a lot of mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. That was a constant struggle. And there are diseases down there like dengue and Mm -hmm. um, chikungunya was one that was really bad down there. Um, So constant bug spray and um, lots of mosquito nets and that Mm -hmm. kind of thing um, could get annoying after a little while. But um, it's constant down there because they don't really have seasons. So it's pretty hot all the time. Um, Some people love it. Mm -hmm. I could have done without some of the heat some days, but um, electricity is really expensive. So running your AC is not Mm. something that most people do on the day to day, maybe just to like to sleep or something like that. um, Because it gets very, very expensive. Sure. Very cool. Yeah. It sounds like it's a really neat way to spend a few years and, you know, get out of your comfort zone. You know, it's hard to do, but um, I think pretty rewarding. I mean, speaking from my own experience, going to school in Miami, it's almost like it's another country down there anyway. So, um, so I think I can understand, you know, kind of what you lived with and and the fun and the challenges and all of that. So yeah, it was definitely very rewarding and pushed me to be resourceful and really check myself and, understand what's super important to me and what's not and what Mm -hmm. I can live without and what I need. So by that aspect, I really was very grateful for the experience. Cool. Awesome. 
So after you've done your three years, your your didactic work, mm-hmm. you all get to apply to more programs <laughs> yeah. to finish out your mm-hmm. clinical experience. Mm-hmm. So how does that work? And how did you end up at Mizzou? It was a process. <laughs> so <laughs> they basically do a whole application process for us. And um, we have a placement specialist that helps us out with it. And mm-hmm. he's a veterinarian that goes and works with all these different universities that we're affiliated with. Um, and he knows a lot about all the programs. So mm-hmm. he knows who has a lot of equine work, who has a lot of exotics. He knows those different ins and outs to all mm-hmm. of the different schools. And he provides us with this long document that says, this is the school, this is where it's at. These are their pros and cons. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to that, gives us how many spots they have available okay. and what their GPA requirements are. Okay. So um, based on that, we ranked four schools, one through four, and then was after that kind of doing a little bit of a lottery. So we did one first pass and submitted our one through four to him. And then we met with him again and he was like, okay, so I don't think that the school is a good fit for you. I think you would do better here. Hmm. So kind of changing our ideas of in our head, where we thought we should be, which might not have always been what in reality would have been best for us. So after meeting with him for a couple of times, um, for me in particular, I had a short list of these are the schools that are really strong in lab animal medicine. And what I was looking for in a lab animal program was the opportunity to be able to rotate through and spend several weeks if I could Mm -hmm. um, in their lab animal program. And um, I already knew Dr. Franklin in passing um, through a friend of a friend kind of thing. So I had been emailing him back and forth for a couple of years, actually since the beginning of that school. Um, So I knew a little bit more about Mizzou specifically, but Mm -hmm. I did look into a bunch of other schools as well and and what their programs were like. Um, And then we have to send our applications to the um, American school. Mm And say, okay, I want to come here. This is what my GPA is. Um, Do you have a spot for me? And they don't always. So even though we have sent students there in the past, it doesn't always work out Mm -hmm. that way. And then they have to look at it, goes through their admissions process, just as though they were accepting another student at the very beginning. And then they send us an email back and say, yes, we want you. Um, So we find that out um, at the beginning of our third year. Okay. And how much time do you get to spend at that second institution? Um, it's a little bit varied, but for the vast majority of them, it's one year. So okay. our last um, fourth year um, in in total will be at Great. a clinical program. Great. And then how do how does you decide or how does the school decide what rotations you take? Because obviously there's not enough time specifically looking at Mizzou mm-hmm. since we do a year and a half, almost two years of yeah. clinical work. Um to fit in all the rotations that we take, mm-hmm. um, obviously a lot of ours are electives, but how do you choose which electives you get to take? Yeah. So each school gives us, each school has a contract with SGU that says you must finish this amount of hours in your clinical setting. You must take these baseline courses. Mm-hmm. So for me specifically at Mizzou, because you guys have a longer clinical rotation, mm-hmm. um, 
we get to decide between food animal and equine. And that was the trade-off to accommodate for how much more time you guys have to really get through all your clinicals. So for us, we have those as optional things. And then some of your requirements like neurology Mm -hmm. and... um, it was one of the other ones that you guys Thereo. had. Thereo. Yeah. Um, those are ones that are optional for okay. us, so we don't have to take gotcha. them. To, and that kind of compensates for time. Sure. Sure. Great. Um, and then I know you've already taken there. You took the Navli a long time ago. I did. Yeah. Um, so how does that work, too, in terms of fitting that in with your didactic schedule mm-hmm. and the clinical schedule? When do when does the typical St. George's student take the, the Navli or whatever licensing board exam for whatever country they're going to end up going to. Yeah. So they recommend that we wait until the end of our clinical year to take um, the NAVLI. Okay. So, you know, obviously they want the best for students. And so we know that the longer that you're on clinics, the more you're going to learn, the more you're going to see and the better you're going to get and offers you more time to study in in all reality. Um, They give us a free... Um, subscription to vet prep nice which is really really Sweet. nice yeah. yeah so we had that since our third year wow. um to be able to kind of go through i mean obviously you're doing other things and right it's busy so you don't get to study as much as you would like right um but i i decided to take it early and mm-hmm. take it in the spring versus the fall so i was only a couple of months into um, my clinical year, right. it worked out for me, but it's not for everybody. Sure. sure. I'm sure that was nice to get that, get that off of your back and yeah, get, get it out of the of way. Relief. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All right. So to end our conversation, this has been fantastic. <laughs> Wanted to ask if you could give some words of advice, some words of wisdom to mm-hmm. pre-vet students uh, or any student that's out there that wants to go to vet school, that's considering going down to the islands. Mm-hmm. Um, and any advice you would have for them in making their decision? Yeah, so I would definitely say try to find somebody that's been there, done that. Mm -hmm. Um, Try to find an island student that can talk to you, answer your questions, because for me, that was um, invaluable. I did find a couple of people that I had worked with just by chance that um, went to an island school, and I mean, they're all over the place. So um, trying to talk to them and get my very specific questions answered, like how do I get my dog down there? How do I, you know, how much stuff should I pack realistically? What do I need? Um, What don't I need? Because there's plenty of things that you can buy down there, but you don't know if you've never been there. Um, Obviously, the best thing would be if you had the opportunity to go down and see it for yourself, that's the best thing. But it's expensive, you know, to get down there. Um, Make a vacation out of it. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of people do that, which is really cool. Um, I know St. George's does some um, student outreach where Mm -hmm. throughout the year they will have a specific... Um, city that they go to and um, meet with students that are thinking about going to SU that can't make it down there. Um, So they will go and meet with you. You'll meet with administrators. Sometimes it's current students. Sometimes Hmm. it's um, faculty. It just kind of depends on who's there at what time. Right. Right. And get to ask the questions that you need to ask and kind of get a sense of the school and see pictures and that sort of thing. Cool. Yeah, I would love to. And and part of why I wanted to talk about this with you today Mm -hmm. um, is that I think sometimes, probably not commonly, but there's like a stigma of going to school down in the islands. There is, yeah. And I don't think there should be because the schools are fantastic. You yeah. get a great education. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there are downsides to it, but there's a down, there's downsides to every single right. school in the country. Um, and that if you want to 
go for a little more adventure, a little more spice and yeah. a bit of a different flavor in school, definitely consider going to school at St. George's of Ross because, yeah. I mean, everyone that I've met, we're lucky here at Mizzou to have a lot of students coming to do their clinical year with mm-hmm. us. And everyone's been so great. And, and obviously, they're, not that their education would be any um, majorly different, but like everyone is super prepared. And so definitely check it out if you're yeah. interested in it. I think a lot of the professors that speaks to the program and the professors and the staff of the schools mm-hmm. that they really, they, they know that that stigma exists. Right. They, it's not a secret. Um, and so to counteract that, they really make sure that we know what we need to know that right. we're really prepared, especially with things like anesthesia and that are very hands-on and clinical, right. um, that we get to our fourth year schools and we show them what we have and that we're very much prepared. Right. So it speaks to the program Definitely. to say that, you know, we're ready and, and we've got just as much training as anybody right. else. Right. So if anybody is thinking about going to those schools and that is something that they've heard and that they're worried about, um, especially for St. George's, I mean, I I feel very much prepared. I don't, I didn't feel like there was a whole piece that I didn't learn or anything right. like that. I, I very much have felt prepared. Right. Awesome. My last question for you, and this is going to be outside the scope of, of Island life and St. George life and all of that. Mm-hmm. But now that you are literally a month away from DVM, yeah. what advice would you have for any vet student at any point of their curriculum? Um, things that you've learned that you can look back now and say, that you've learned that anything mm-hmm. you would have done differently. Um, and just any, any words of wisdom for, for the vet student, mm-hmm. either at the beginning of their vet school career or, or now when they're finishing. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say at the very beginning, figure out what works for you. All of the different ways that you have learned to study and things that you did in undergrad are very much different for Mm -hmm. what's going to work for you in in vet school. Um, So early on, trying to figure out what study techniques work for you because it's a lot of information in a very short amount of time and um, your old ways of studying aren't going to cut it. So trying to figure out what works well for you early on, um, it took me probably a better part of the first semester to mm-hmm. really figure out what was working for me. And I struggled. Yep. Um, ultimately, I figured it out. But trying to really buckle down and figure out what works for you is really essential. Um, also, trying to not be so worried about getting an A every single time. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, no one's going to care what your GPA was. Right. You know, I mean, obviously, if you're trying to be like a neurologist, it matters. But um in the grand scheme of things, you know, I would rather have gone to the beach more often and not worried as much about sure. my grades. And, in you know, in hindsight, right. just to relax and enjoy the time that you're actually learning and your company of other students and your professors and things like that right. versus staying stuck in your room and trying to make that A. And right. it's just cram as much information as you can. Yeah, it's just yeah. not as worth it right. as I thought it was in, at the time. Right. Cool. Well, I second all of that. Um, And now, yeah, looking back, you know, enjoy the process more. And it's hard to do, but um, I'm sure that we'll look back after vet school and say, man, vet school was such a breeze and I wish I was back there. And Oh, my gosh. And now realizing like it's over. Right. It was so fast. That Mm -hmm. was so quick. And I wish I would have taken more chance to just enjoy it and soak it all in. Right. Definitely. 
All right, Christy, almost Dr. Christy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a great conversation. I hope that um, everyone listening knows now a little bit more of what school is like down at St. George's and and the pros and the cons and, and what makes it so great. Um, but uh, but yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. And, and thank you, Seth. Thank you for time. having me. No problem. Thanks. So a few thank yous to give out. First, a huge thank you to Christy for joining me on the podcast today. And thanks once more to today's sponsor, Fear Free. Don't miss this great opportunity to learn more about Fear Free and become Fear Free certified, which is currently complimentary for veterinary students. Learn more at fearfreepets.com. And last and certainly not least, thank you for listening to the Vet School Unleashed podcast. If you feel so inclined, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on iTunes and let us know what you think about the podcast. For resources and more information about the podcast, please check us out online at www.vetschoolunleashed.com or find me on Instagram at SethTheAlmostVet or on Facebook. You can also email me at Seth at VetSchoolUnleashed.com. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's podcast. I'd also love to hear any suggestions or topics you'd want to hear us talk about. Even reach out if you want to be on the podcast yourself and share some insight of your own. Thank you again, and we'll talk to you next time on Vet School Unleashed, Dissecting the DVM.